All right, everybody. Welcome to the Scott Deconing Leadership Podcast. This is episode number eight. You may hear something that's a little bit different on this end because I'm using a new headset. I'm going to try it out and see how it goes. I was realizing that my other headset, uh, whenever the microphone would swing away from my face, it made it sound like I was distant. So I'm trying something new, trying something new. A couple of really cool things happening on this episode. First of all, episode number eight. We just keep pounding away at this thing here. It's uh, We're two months in, and uh, I'm hoping, hoping this has brought nothing but value for you. I have heard some really good feedback as to what benefits some people have, have had from this, and I thank you, and I, and I encourage you, please, please feel free to reach out. Today, we're going to talk about courage, because I don't think it's one thing that's actually talked about, a lot about the fact that being a leader, you need courage. You need courage. Let's say, for example, you have somebody who is getting let go. Never, never an easy situation. When I've had to let people go, it's always built up a ton of anxiety in, in my gut. Or when I have to have those difficult conversations, it's always built up in my gut. And uh, you just have to go ahead and do it. Obviously, you want to have it planned and you want it prepared and, and have all the paperwork ready and stuff like that. But this may not just be about having the difficult conversations. I've had to have a lot of courage to bring up to maybe my leader, if you're not the top person of a company or you're not reporting to a board that a certain process isn't working or you might have a better way of doing it and a lot of those situations you would need to have the numbers to support it but just to bring it up knowing that they may not like it that is going to decide whether they they like your idea or not that takes courage all of that takes courage Now, the one thing I really want to talk about is the way that courage is actually a skill. One might almost say, and I think I've read this in a couple of different articles, courage is actually a muscle. It's a muscle that can be built. It's a muscle that can be uh, developed. It's something that we have inside us because a muscle is already developed inside us. It's just a matter of how much we actually stand up and work that muscle, right? Like at a gym, the more you lift weights, the more your muscle grows. Just like courage, the more we use it, the better we get at it. It's never going to be 100% comfortable. I, I think I just need to get that out of the way right now. If you think that if you keep going into these courageous situations and you're never going to get those butterflies in your stomach, unfortunately, that's not realistic. Courage is never 100% comfortable. As I've said in the past, we have to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. As leaders, we have stepped into a role where we are managing and leading others. So here's a couple things that I really want to identify when it comes to courage that is going to really hopefully help you next time you have something that you want to uh, you want to bring up. Okay. Before I get there, though, I've told you what this podcast is about, this episode. This is another exciting piece for me. Um, I really want to use this form to give back as well. So what I've done, I've, I've been working for the last little while with my father-in-law for a website called blessedliberia.ca. 
blessedliberia.ca. So the ones that are watching on YouTube, you're going to see here that the website is just that easy, blessedliberia.ca. And this website alone helps by giving teachers specifically in Liberia an income. Now, at first you're like, okay, you hear about all these things over in Africa where they need help, like um, World Vision, UNICEF, right? And a lot of the people don't know, we hope, but we don't know how much of the money goes to the people in Africa to get help. So that's why I like teaming up with this group here of blessliberia.ca because again, I'm teaming up with my father-in-law. I was one that helped build this website with him to help engage and help build traffic so people understand what's happening right now in Liberia. Before I go into those numbers here, let me give you a little bit of a story. My father-in-law, Paul, actually went to Liberia with his friend back in 2014. He actually went there and he actually saw the, the schools and the ministries right on the ground floor. He went right out to them. He got to meet the kids, got to meet the teachers. Uh, a lot of the schools he was telling me and he showed me pictures don't have lights. Some of them, not all of them, have a generator in the back that may or may not work. So a lot of it, I believe, is gas powered. What was really, really mind boggling to me and the reason this really hit home and man, does this make you realize how how well we have it here in the West. Right now, now let me back up a little. Before COVID, teachers teaching these kids were making $10 a month U.S. $10 a month U.S. A lot of us complain because we don't make $10 an hour. I mean, I'm in Canada and I know the conversion's different. But when I take a look and say, okay, well, at least I'm making, say, 20 bucks an hour, these teachers who are in charge of these kids are making, we're making, some of them actually making less than $10 in one month. It's not sustainable to help these kids move forward. A couple other things that really drew my attention, and you'll read this as you go down in the website here, that Liberia in Africa, I just want to make sure because there's two Liberias, has had a couple of epidemics in itself. In 2014, I believe it was, they had the Ebola virus that actually uh, was a plague that took over a bunch of Africa. And unfortunately, there were quite a few that were actually just, uh, who actually died from it. And when you take a look at the Human Development Index, every country is rated from one to 189, because that's how many countries are, are in this index. And Liberia is at least, and I think this, this part here is just a little bit out of date. I think it's worse than this, but they were 181 out of 189 countries that are undeveloped. So if we take a look at the top country being number one, I don't know what it is. I'm going to say Canada. I know that's not the right answer. But in this case, I'm going to say Canada because of the healthcare system we have, the, uh, the jobs we have here, everything going on. We're a free country, all that kind of stuff. If we were considered number one here in Canada, Liberia 
if you combine all of those other things, it's 181 out of 189, almost at the very bottom, and they need help. So here's, here's why I say this, is because I really wanna drive traffic to this website. There's actually ways that you can actually donate if you're willing to help. And if you scroll down, it does say donation by credit card, or you can send in a check, whatever you feel like doing. Checks, I believe there's a, a processing fee, but you can actually donate money to help these teachers who are helping these kids in Liberia. To give you a little bit of, of understanding of where this money's gonna go. First and foremost, everything that is donated through this website is sent directly to the teachers. And the reason I know that is because it's my father-in-law sending it. Again, I noticed that some people sign up for these websites, they're not sure where the money goes. And they, they're like, well, I don't wanna make some CEO rich when it's people that really need it. These people are getting every single dollar that's sent them. The only fee that's being taken from it is the uh, processing fee that is used to transfer the money from, from here. We'll say it's a Canadian donation. The processing fee for the money to go from Canada to Liberia. They take a processing fee. There's nothing we can do to get around that. Every other thing, and I believe it's something like 3.5, I could be wrong on that, but every other penny is going to go to these teachers, helping these kids grow. I'm trying to figure out a way where I can actually use some of the money sent to me to give to Liberia. To give you an example of how little it takes to help these, these teachers, at one point, I donated $300. And you might be thinking, well, $300 might be a lot of money right now, especially during a pandemic, because right now we're, I'm recording this in October of 2020. We're kind of in the second wave of COVID. Still a lot of uncertainty, not really sure what's going to happen around the world. I understand that money is tight, absolutely. And I'm taking nothing away from that. This What I'm talking about is, is, is before COVID. I gave as a donation, $300 to this charity. And it helped one teacher, $300, which to me is a lot, but really isn't a lot if you think about how much you spend on, on just different things. $300 helped one teacher eat one meal a day for a month. They don't even get three meals a day with that. One teacher, one meal a day for one month. Now, again, I'm not saying this as a guilt trip. Please do not take that as, as what this is. It's just a company I'm really, really happy to team up with, blessliberia.ca. I really want to drive traffic because if, if I can help people and at least make people aware of what's happening on the other side of the world, now that I've been made aware, it's my responsibility. So I'll leave it there. If you want, you can reach out to me. I can send you the link. Um, if you want to send money to me directly, I can give it to my father. Whatever you want to do, we just need to help these teachers get, teach these kids. Because teachers are leaders in so many ways. So many ways. So uh, it's a really, really good cause. Um, 
the whole point of me doing this is to give back. They're not sponsoring me at all. It's just a website that I, I helped build with my father-in-law. He's the one who's really driving this and uh, he can use all the help he can get. So please, blesslibrary.ca. All right. So again, this episode, all about courage. We're going to talk about how courage is a muscle, how we can build into something that becomes stronger with practice. Now, again, I'm going to relate it to working out at a, at a gym because really that's where you tone muscles the most. When you work out at a gym and you're lifting weights, what you're doing in that moment is you're actually ripping the muscles. I know that sounds really weird because you're like, no, aren't you growing them? Actually, in fact, you are ripping them. And then once you rest, that's when they build. That's when they grow. That's why rest is very important because without the rest, you just keep ripping the muscles. So like courage, what you have to do is you have to just have those conversations, support it with the documents, support it with the paperwork, absolutely go in prepared, but you just got to jump in and do it. And here's the reason why I really promote jumping in and doing it is because the longer you leave it, the more it's going to build up in your head, the more the anxiety is going to build up and it's just going to go sideways. And it's going to go sideways quick. I've had many conversations where I was dreading having them. And I left it for way too long. I mean, every scenario is a little different, but I left it for way too long. And when I actually had the conversation, first of all, it wasn't as bad as my brain made it out to be. I want to say that first and foremost, every time I've had the conversation, it's, uh, it's always been better. Not all of it's been easy, but it's been better than what my brain made it out to be. Also, too, it was like a weight was lifted off my chest once I had this conversation. Something that's been weighing me down for that long was off my chest. And that was huge, 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 huge. So um, I just want to say, first and foremost, once we have to have these conversations, just go ahead and do it. Just jump right in. Do it. Be prepared, of course. Have your figures, have your documents, whatever you need, depending on what the conversation is. I'm going to also refer to a John Maxwell podcast that I listened to recently. Uh, it was recorded back in April, uh, maybe even March. And it's, it's a two-parter. It's called Do Not, Don't Just Communicate, Connect. It's a two-parter. And what he talks about as one of his biggest disconnects, and in this uh, series, it's number four, is having those awkward conversations right away. So what he suggests, and I, can't, I, I recommend going back and listening to the podcast itself. It's a really good episode. There's actually two of them. And he gives a lot of things that he did at the beginning of his leadership career that he considers his big, biggest disconnects. And then he talks about his biggest connects, connections. But what he said when it comes to those difficult conversations he said, first and foremost, you've got to schedule them privately ASAP, which supports exactly what I just said. Don't delay. Just get it in there. Get it done. Okay. So um, you want to schedule it ASAP. The other thing we have to do, and this is where it takes even more courage, I think, because once you actually get started, you kind of get on a roll, that you, your courage builds. However, there is going to be a situation where you're going to need a little bit more courage before you're done this. 
when you're having this conversation, and I'm going to assume it's a tough conversation, whether somebody needs follow-up or termination, whatever it is. Okay, I'm going to assume it's something that's not good. What you're going to want to do, according to John Maxwell, and I completely support this, is you want to have a balance between care and candor. Care and candor. Now, he also says in this podcast, uh, actually it's Mark Cole, his CEO, who, who says this in the after part of the podcast. He says, when caring for somebody, you're caring for them right now in that moment. The candor is you caring about their potential. So let me explain what candor is, because when I first heard this term, I was like, I'm not sure what this means. Candor, to the best definition that I could see, is where you are being right up honest, upfront about what the situation is. A lot of people will beat around the bush, not really get to the point, and not actually say what the true problem is. Candor is where you're actually just saying what it is. Here's the problem. Here's what we need to fix. Now, I do recommend taking different tactics depending on people's personalities. Again, episode number three, we talked about the different personality types, identifying which personality type you are and which personality type the person you're having the conversation with is going to go very differently than, say, a conversation with me, who's a direct person, because I may just need to know what I need to do to get, get the job done. But with candor, you're basically telling them right up front, here's what the problem is, here's what we need to fix. It sounds harsh when you have to jump in and do it. And again, it takes courage. But when you do it, you're actually going to help this person grow more than just giving them a bunch of fluff. More than just telling them, oh, you've done, you've done an excellent job. There's just one or two things we need to tweak. No, no. I've done that. You're going to find you're going to have another conversation down the road that's going to be a lot harder because it's the conversation we should have had today. So there have been situations where I've actually had to tell somebody that they aren't succeeding in what, whatever way, whether it was me doing it on the job, whether it was me doing it for my soccer teams, you have to come in and tell somebody uh, what you're doing isn't cutting it and we're going to have to follow some form of discipline, whatever it is. Uh, in soccer, I'd probably give you less playing time uh, for uh, my, the companies I work for. It was some form of, of discipline, whether it be a, a written letter or whatever the case may be. So when it came to doing this, again, my head built it up into something bigger than it was. And I had to get to a point where I ended up having to let somebody go. I've had to let people go. And part of it, part of the times I've had to let people go was behavioral. Part of the times it's because I'm the instructor for a class and I've told them right up front, you have to reach a specific grade. And if you don't reach that grade, then we gotta, we gotta remove you from the class. Both are tough but both took a very different angle for me to approach it. 
I'm going to go to the test first where they didn't make the grade that I needed them to because that I found was the easiest because the numbers don't lie. When I would say at the beginning that I required them to get at least 85% on any test that I gave them, otherwise they would be removed from training and therefore terminated. I set that as a, as a bar right from the beginning. I even asked people, I stopped and said, what questions do we have about this? Remember in a previous episode, I asked, I was saying powerful questions, who, what, where, when, or why, what questions do we have about this? And when they came back and said, nope, no questions, no questions. I was like, perfect. We're all on, on agreement here. So when it came back that this person got 80%, 75%, whatever. And I took the test and I passed it to them. And I said, we were under the understanding that you needed 85. Uh, we didn't achieve it. And this is the outcome. What I really had to learn, and it's still, it's a struggle for me even today. What I really had to learn was not to apologize. Even just now, even role-playing it in my head, I was just about to say, I'm really sorry. But the reason we, we don't necessarily need to apologize is because we made the process clear up front. This is where I want to lead a little bit off track of what the story I'm just talking about. It doesn't matter what the awkward conversation is. It should not be a surprise to the other person. Whatever the conversation is, whether it's development or otherwise, it should not be a surprise. If uh, in the meetings that I've had where I knew people were going to get terminated, it was a number of different meetings that we had to sit through, whether it be attendance or lack of doing the job, whatever the case was. It was a number of different meetings that built up to the termination meeting so that when we were sitting down with the person they already knew what was going to happen we even went through in those previous meetings we even went through an action plan as to how we can help you and how we need you to help yourself get to where we need you to be so it wasn't a surprise when we got there the difficult conversations I've had are the surprises. So. so we've taken a look at some things where I have actually been in situations where I've actually had to show courage. And in those moments, I actually didn't have a guide on how to build my courage. So that's what I want to give to you now. We talked about how important courage is, how vital it is as a leader to even have those first conversations when you know somebody needs to adjust something that they're doing or not doing, depending on what the case may be. So there are a couple of different ways that after thinking about it, I would help somebody, including you, build confidence, build courage because this is what I've actually had to do for myself. First and foremost, I want you to take notice 
of how you're sitting or standing, depending on what you're doing while you're listening to this. If you're sitting in your car or you're yeah, cleaning your house while listening to a podcast, pay attention to how you're standing. The one thing I really noticed when I lacked confidence and when I needed to boost my courage is I needed to change my physical positioning. I got this from Tony Robbins. He talks about how to build courage and how to um, build confidence because I think confidence and courage are a lot are in the same boat in a lot of ways. And I believe it's in his program, Unleash the Power Within. He talks about how to change your mental state by changing your physical state, which is actually kind of opposite because most things you hear, you hear what happens on the outside is a reflection of what's going on on the inside. Completely agree. But what I, this is a different angle because I think a lot of ways we're not actually focused on how we're sitting. So again, when I'm not very aware of my lack of confidence or lack of courage, I notice that I'm sitting forward, my head's usually down. I usually have some sort of facial expression that identifies that I'm just not in a good place. Uh, my hands may be crossed because internally that's kind of a way of hugging ourselves. My shoulders are slouched, absolutely. My shoulders are slouched. How do I counteract this? I have to change my body position. That's first and foremost. And what I've noticed is that when I actually physically change the way I'm standing or the way I'm sitting, it instantly boosts my, my spirit, my confidence, and with that courage. So if you notice that you're sitting there and you're a little bit slouched, or you're just standing there, you're a little bit slouched, which tends to be the norm, myself included, Notice that and sit up or stand up a little bit straighter. Put your shoulders back. Put your shoulders back. You'll notice that you might even get a good stretch out of it because your body's been out of this position for so long. As you do this, make sure you take a deep breath and tell yourself that you got this. Now, you might be telling yourself, well, that sounds kind of hokey. And there's, but here's the thing. You're telling yourself you don't got this, and that doesn't feel hokey. So when you actually stand up straight and you tell yourself, I got this, I totally understand what I have to do. I got this. I can do this. You actually start to feel yourself get the energy to actually, to actually do whatever it is you need to do, have that conversation, whatever it is. Okay. There's actually a really good TED Talk by Amy Cuddy, I believe her last name is identifying power positions. I'll, I'll put the link in the description or in the show notes if you're listening to this in podcast form. And it's a really cool way for you to boost your confidence just by changing your physical body. To give you an example, by taking two minutes is what she says and doing what she calls a power pose, whether that's your hand on your hips or uh, which... She refers to as the Wonder Woman pose <laughs> or putting your hands up in a V as if you're celebrating winning a, a race, for example. This is all positive or high body language. Power posing is what she calls it. Now, the science behind this, and again, she goes into this in this TED Talk, is that when somebody stands in those power positions, those power poses, for two minutes, that's all it takes, two minutes. You can actually notice 
the level of testosterone, which gives you confidence, go up, and the level of cortisol, which brings on things like depression and self-doubt, all chemicals in your brain, brings it down. However, when they did the opposite study, and they did the opposite of the power poses, so they had people kind of shrink down, shoulders shrug, their heads are down, giving themselves a hug, they noticed the opposite, the testosterone went down, the cortisol went up. So there's actual physiological science behind these power poses. And if you're one of those people that need, need numbers, this is the perfect podcast for, or this is the perfect TED Talk for you, because it doesn't only suggest to do it, it suggests why to do it, the brain science behind it. So uh, again, I'll link that in the description and identify, hopefully you can identify things that might help you. So how do we gain courage? First of all, we change our, our physical form. Hmm. Sit up straighter, stand up straighter, chin or shoulders back, chin in, right? If you notice that a lot of times, and I'm really guilty of this, you'll notice that your head is a little bit slouched. In fact, that's actually a, re a reason why a lot of people get headaches because when your head is move forward, your neck muscles actually have to work much harder to support the weight of your head and those muscles get tight, leads to headaches. So by putting your head back, you're tucking your chin in a little bit, you're actually relieving those muscles of that stress and you're actually lining your body up properly. So posture, as much as I don't do it, and I'm kind of talking about this right now, uh, I'm really bad at catching myself when I'm not doing it actually helps with confidence and helps with courage. This is why everybody has it. We just have to learn how to build this muscle, okay? Now, before we could take any other steps as to identify how to get courage, how to build confidence, we actually have to identify what a lack of courage is. In the simplest form that I can think of it as, and this is my interpretation, it's not something I read off a website, but this is my interpretation of it, a lack of confidence is an overwhelming amount of fear. A lack of confidence is an overwhelming amount of fear. What does that mean? If I am lacking courage, I am lacking confidence to go and have a difficult conversation, be it with somebody who I'm working with, be it with my, my manager, my boss, whoever it is, be it with a spouse. If I'm dreading that conversation, it's because I am fearing something will happen more than I'm fearing that it won't, right? And I've said this previously, just a little bit ago, I said, when I was having those difficult conversations, I was actually struggling because I was like, okay, what is this going to be? How is this going to do it? How is the conversation going to go? What's the reaction going to be? Am I going to be able to handle it? This kind of stuff. And I built it into this big thing in my head. When I had the conversation, it turned out to be nothing. So a lack of courage is an overwhelming amount of fear. So that's step number one is to identify what is the fear and break it down. Uh, somebody told me, and I, I haven't actually tested this, so I challenge you if you want to test it. To, to get to the root of a fear, ask yourself why three times. So, for example, if we were to, if I were to have a difficult conversation and I'm fearing that conversation, I might ask myself, well, why am I fearing it? 
well, I'm afraid of the way the conversation is going to go. I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of the way that they're going to react. Okay, well, why am I afraid of the way that they're going to react? Well, if they react a certain way, it's going to cause a scene. I'm going to get uncomfortable. It just won't, it won't be nice. Okay, well, why is being uncomfortable bad? Well, I guess it's not because you learn to grow. So you get down to the root of it, right? You ask the why three times. Ask yourself why three times. And you'll actually identify the fear that is holding you back from having those conversations. Now, there is a link that I found here on WikiHow. And it does talk about how to build courage. And the first thing it says, just like I said a few seconds ago, identify your fear. Figure out what's the cause of the fear. And it, it does give it suggestions on this website. However, like I said, you can, you can do it by asking yourself why three times. And once you've identified the fear, switch gears and recognize your courage. Recognize your courage. And that comes down to telling yourself, I got this. I heard one person say something as simple as they stand in front of the mirror. Again, sounds really hokey. Stands in front of the mirror for 20 minutes a day and tells themselves, I love you to the mirror. So if I were doing it, I'd be like, I love you, Scott. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And you're saying it to yourself. And again, it sounds hokey. But if I switch it and I actually play a little bit of devil's advocate, you're saying this stuff to yourself anyway, it's just in a negative form. It's time we start saying positive things to ourselves. So once I've identified the courage, I can now develop a concrete plan to build my courage. I've already given you some examples of things you can do. Also too, I can start working on my behaviors and a lot of behaviors come from habits. So it comes down to identifying what habits am I doing currently, even mental habits, the way I talk to myself, that would be bringing down my courage, bringing down my confidence. Identify those, work on those, change those habits. And then you may find it easier to frame your fear in simpler terms. I find this is what a lot of asking yourself the why is about, but let's say that you're afraid to swim in the ocean. You can reframe it to say, instead of you're swimming in the ocean, you're swimming in a very large pool and you're going to stay in a specific area. When you reframe it like that, it doesn't sound as overwhelming. So frame your fear in simpler terms. Avoid comparing yourself to others. I could do a podcast just on this. This is something that I'm actually working on quite intensely right now is identifying how much I value other people's opinions and how much it stops me from doing certain things. In fact, there's a lot of people who probably wouldn't even be doing this podcast because they're afraid of what other people are going to say about it and the way that it may sound to others. I've listened back to some of the episodes that I've already recorded. And I, although I'm thinking of ways to critique, part of what goes through my head, well, what if somebody hears that and they think it's stupid? 
I have to change that and say, okay, I'm not worried about what those people think. I want to focus on those that think that this is valuable. I think that this is going to help. So stop comparing yourself to others. I may do an episode just on that. Embrace the positive and avoid the negative, just like I was just saying. Instead of saying to avoid the negative, you can actually take the negatives as learning experiences. I was listening to an Ed Milet podcast, and he said something that still rings true in my head, even though I listened to it a few months ago. Focus, don't focus so much on why this is happening to you, but why this is happening for you. Let me explain this a little bit. A lot of people would leave late and then there's nothing but traffic and red lights and all this kind of stuff. And people go, why? Why is it that every time I'm late, I hit nothing but red lights? I've done it myself. And then you focus on it and go, okay, well, hold on. Why is this happening for me? Is there something that I'm avoiding by by getting these red lights? Is there something that like an accident, for example, that I may be avoiding because I keep getting red lights? or I keep getting slow people in front of me, when you change that that mindset, that negative, it actually changes the game completely. So embrace the positive, change the negative, and then have confidence in yourself and believe that you have the ability. If you don't believe it, they won't believe it. If you don't believe in your confidence and your skill, nobody else will. I say over here that I have struggled in the confidence department. I have asked myself many times, why am I doing what I'm doing? And I've had a lot of people come back and they just question me. And because I don't have a clear set plan of what I want to do, I'd be, yeah, okay, fine, let's just do it that way. So have the confidence, believe in yourself, have the confidence and believe that you have the ability to be courageous, to have these conversations, to deal with whatever situation is that you want to deal with. And the next step is going to be very uncomfortable for a lot of people, myself included. You have to be willing to take risks and accept failure. Now, that may sound weird to a lot of people. But failure is what actually helps you build that muscle. That's the actual lifting of the weights. If, again, I relate it to a gym, the failing is what's going to help you get better at those conversations because you're going to be able to look back and you're going to be able to say, okay, the conversation didn't go the way I wanted when I mentioned this next time. Don't do that. So that's the repetition. That's the failure that you're going to have to accept. It's going to happen. I I, I wish I could say that it won't, it will happen. Uh, The next one, use obstacles to your benefit. Why is it happening? for you instead of to you. And number eight is actually one that I'm actually a big fan of and one that I'm going to do an episode on. It's take the road less traveled. I'm a big fan of creativity. I'm a big fan of innovation. I love looking at different possibilities to make something better than what we've been doing all this time. That's why when it comes to our school system, I personally would like to change a couple of things that is taught in school. I understand that school is important. It does give everybody 
what they need to start in life, I find that it doesn't actually teach people how to succeed in life, but it does teach them the basics. So I would say, take the road less traveled. Don't follow somebody else's path, create your own. As long as you're not offending or hurting somebody, go for it. And then number nine, it says, let's relax and have as much fun as possible. Don't forget to have fun while you're doing this. Bond with your team, have fun with them. I think a lot of people are so focused on, we have to get all the work done that they forget that it's a better area to work in. There's more productivity when we can joke around a little bit. So please make sure that you're showing your team that you can have some fun. That's the best way to connect with people I find. And keep moving forward. The negative thoughts will always be there. Always. I said uh, before, I believe that I have anxiety. It doesn't matter what I do. The thoughts keep coming. It's just how to deal with them. Same thing here. You're going to have to deal with the thoughts that are coming into your head because of the fact they're always going to be there. So I hope that helps. I hope that you see that courage is a muscle. Everybody has it. If you're listening or watching this, you have the muscle that is considered courage. You have the muscle that is considered confidence. I personally am still in the process because I think I always will be, but I currently am in the process of building that muscle up. And it's one of those things too, where like any muscle, if I don't work it out, I lose it. So once you actually build that muscle, you have to maintain it. You have to keep having those difficult conversations. Now, I'm not saying go out and cause trouble. I'm not saying look for those conversations. All I'm saying is that when they come up, don't avoid them. Have them. I really hope this helps. I really hope that this brings confidence. I'm going to share those links in the description. Please, please go check them out. Uh, they're free. They're just, one's an article, one's a YouTube channel. And um, hopefully, hopefully this will help everybody build their courage and confidence. Again, if you can show people blessedliberia.ca, again, not a sponsor, but just really good cause to help people in a really bad situation. If it wasn't for COVID, none of the teachers would be getting paid anything. So any help is, is appreciated. So I'm going to leave it there. I'll see you guys on the next one. Let me know how you've started taking steps to be courageous. You can find me on email, scottdeconing3 at gmail.com. You can reach out to me. I have a website, scottdeconing.com. Uh, you can actually send me a message there, or uh, you could find me on Instagram or Facebook. I'm all over social media. So feel free to reach out to me, interact with me. Let me know how things are going. I'd love to hear what you took away from this. I'll, take you, I'll talk to you on the next one. Later.